Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. 
Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Rusty Quill presents. I had no idea what I really agreed to, but keeping pills in the machine wasn't helping anything, as Batna was gradually getting the better of Mary. The Carnivian was just too much. She was drawing on experiences and powers that went back a lot farther than my experience as a dreamcatcher. And what made matters worse, once the two behemoths smashed up through the bottom of another massive ice sheet, I could see something on the horizon drawing closer. It was the ungodly skin storm from which Batna had fashioned her current body, no doubt returning to augment her further, with even greater size and additional powers. After noticing the writhing maelstrom, Mary tried to take the fight away from Batna's reinforcements, lifting the carnivious titan from the frothing waves and heaving her in the opposite direction. Batna came down with explosive force. Waves crested high enough to topple the freighters at anchor near the shore. Mary tried to keep the heat on, but Batna was already up, spreading her thick defensive tentacles to bear the brunt of her incoming attack. Using her own hooked extrusions, Mary swept the tentacles aside, thrusting her massive Balak deep into Batna's chest, sending her toppling backwards into the black waters, howling and thrashing. Yet it only seemed to annoy the Queen of Monsters, as she possessed no internal organs upon which she relied. The Balak was merely inflicting pain, not serious damage. Recovering quickly, Batna backhanded Mary into a nearby iceberg, which shattered like glass across the roiling sea. Returning to her feet, Mary took to the air again, this time using her reality-warping gaze to manipulate the dim-infused spaces, allowing her to teleport a good distance above her adversary. 
Batna was already airborne, her many wings whipping up a gale as she strived to close the gap that Mary had opened between them. Her eyes exploding with sizzling blue light. Mary fashioned the dim into a firestorm of flowing lava that splashed across the incoming monster, setting her aflame, the weight of the smoldering stuff sending Batna crashing back into the sea. The feat of transmuting so much dim was near crippling, and even Mary's ironclad will buckled from the effort. While the decoherence machine was making reality more malleable, the act of warping, let alone transmuting it, was far from manipulating an actual dream. The consequence of such a strain was madness, the mind taking on the diffusion it intended to solidify. Mary sat down on the shore, her monstrous bulk slackening as the waves crashed against her. Even with the machine weakening reality, we're still not in our element, and that last trick of yours isn't likely to keep her down for long. <sighs> She's like fighting a goddamn tornado. I can't keep her down, let alone put her down. You got any bright ideas? You need to stop her from bonding with the flesh storm. Once she's reinforced, you won't stand a chance. Get her back to the dais, the nucleus of the dim. Your powers will be strongest there. You should be able to hold her off until Pills does whatever it is he intends to do. <laughs> That's my cue. In the meantime, do us both a favor and use that big brain of yours to think of a way out of this just in case your Hail Mary with pills falls through. I'll do my best. Good luck out there. Mary rose to her feet and leapt upward, her wings catching upon the sky. Lost your berry for battle, have you? <laughs> it was only a matter of time. My vengeance is as much a force of nature as my hunger, and neither will be denied. Oh, and here I thought you wise enough to flee. Who said I was going anywhere? I was just waiting for you to pull your ass off the seafloor, where I put it. I think I will grow a separate stomach with which to digest you over the course of centuries. to the Cellar King before Romy had even made up her mind. <laughs> After all, it wasn't like we had much of a choice. Batna was already turning the tables. 
and I can taste Isaiah's gum running out of flavor. <sighs> Again. <laughs> oh, my poor, poor brother. Always biting off more than he could chew. But that was Automa's fault. I told her he couldn't go it alone. But that's what chance was for after all. The opportunity to dip into the cookie jar when no one was looking. <laughs> Where are you off to, Mr. Sugar? The battle is the other way. There's been a change in plans. As you have no doubt noticed, we may need just a little extra sugar to sweeten the odds in our favor. <laughs> and exactly where do you intend to get this extra sugar? Romy made a deal with the inimitable Mr. Pills. And I'm on my way to spring him. That's insanity. Pills is essential to maintaining the requisite levels of decoherence. Without him, we haven't a chance against the Carnivian. I wouldn't expect an old machine like you to understand what taking a chance means. <laughs> but me? I just love reaching blindfolded into the candy bag. Granted, you could come up with an apple, but it's worth the chance of coming up with a handful of candy bars. <laughs> and what if the Soda King decides to escape? What? And Mrs. Chance to crow about killing all these big name baddies? <laughs> oh, no, no. I doubt his ego would let him. Now, just open the quickest path for me and uh, sit back and sip some motor oil through a crazy straw or something. <laughs> I can handle the rest. <laughs> Very well, Marilyn. Pray you are correct. I hated the silentage, and I hated science even more. <laughs> Flavorless fair, the both of them. So I wanted to get into the lab, spring the cellar fella, and then hotfoot it back to all that sweet, sweet killing as soon as I could. Thankfully, the neural doohickey was easy enough to turn off, given what I remembered from Romy's dalliance with the big ugly thing. <laughs> After that, I just waited for Mr. Pills to pull himself together. <laughs> Might I offer you a lollipop? 
A little lick of sugar is sure to get the gears a-turning. <laughs> ah, Mr. Sugar, at last we meet. Though, I have a feeling we've been aware of each other for quite some time. Isn't that right? Is that a no to the lollipop? <laughs> you keep it. You'll likely need it more than me. Oh, I've got plenty to last me, but I do appreciate the concern. <laughs> Though I'm not sure why I need it. <laughs> Don't you? Please tell me you're not still sour about the whole getting captured and used as bait thing. <laughs> you might need that lollipop more than you think. <laughs> Come, Mr. Sugar. I'm not the one you've been playing for, uh, <laughs> sucker. <laughs> now that's the spirit. But really, what do you think you know, Mr. Seller King? And I'd be careful if I were you. There's no reason for us not to be friends now. <laughs> well, if you treat your friends like your family, I'm not sure I want to be your friend. Oh wait, that's right. Romy and Isaiah aren't your real brother and sister, are they? Now you be sweet, Pills. But you're right. We're closer than regular old triplets. Hmm. I wonder if they'd agree with you. If they ever found out, I mean. You know what they say. Dead men tell no tales. Oh, I'm quite aware. I mean... Just look at what you did to that hypnopath, the, uh, deep sleeper. He was just about to rat out your whole game, wasn't he? That's why you framed that poor, poor Dr. Voivod for his murder. I can only imagine what Romy would think of you if she knew. And then there's the little matter of the Stroud's father. Their real father. The one you've kept a secret from them. Well, aren't you a Mr. Know-it-all? But I guess that just makes sense. I've heard that you Kerwins were the nosy type. You know, for the most part, you've been left alone to do your dirty little deeds. But I wonder who, and precisely what, might come looking for you if word got out about who you really are. <laughs> hmm, it looks like I was right. We have been aware of each other for quite some time.
My journeys have led me through the unfathomable depths of two bulges, and even a ghastly sub-realm forged in the fires of supernatural pain. But the grim interior of the dark anomaly put those places to shame, leaving them just foreshadows of the warped reality I now found myself in. It was, without a shred of doubt, the most bizarre, the most desolate place I'd ever had the misfortune of entering. Once I'd vanished completely within the boundaries of the anomaly, the force that seized me had let go its grip. I found myself unmoored, set adrift in the alien, eddying darkness. Yet to call it darkness would be to grossly undersell its true nature. It wasn't an absence of light, but rather the rotting carcass of a long-extinguished light, now destined to wallow in its own corruption. My initial perception of the eerie surroundings might have been a bit guided, albeit unwittingly, by my ability, which was an unremitting critic of all things not intended to exist. It might have whispered to me of an uncanny place and a bygone era, both somehow encapsulated and frozen in time within the dark anomaly. Everything felt off, just an intermittent feeling of placeness, as if the reality hadn't yet solidified, like it was still musing over its future form and substance, somehow stuck in a nightmarish limbo between creation and annihilation. But all that merely served as the canvas, the grand and magnificent stage, upon which an unprecedented spectacle was unfolding. Entities, so colossal they might have rivaled galaxies, began to stir at the periphery of the observable universe. Their incomprehensible forms hovered at the edge of visibility, flirting with the boundary between reality and imagination. These entities, for lack of a better word, teetered between material and immaterial, casting a shroud of awe and mystery over me. Whether it was due to my mind's inability to fully grasp the enormity of the things, or its reluctance to do so out of fear of crumbling beneath their complexity was hard to nail down. In any case, I felt like my mind was operating on a shoestring effects budget, unable to adequately render the surreal cosmic scene. I don't know exactly how it dawned on me, but uh, I finally realized I was looking at the conclusion of a war, the biggest ever fought, maybe. And all the cosmic confusion was just the remnants of the universe after the dust settled. A vast aperture appeared behind the creatures, a stark omission in the fabric of space. From a distance, it appeared as a shimmering orb, opaque yet tantalizingly vibrant. Its surface danced with waves of color, rippling and roiling as if touched by an unseen force. The edges of the aperture displayed a mesmerizing paradox. They were both defined and indeterminate, wavering like heat haze on a scorching day. Emanating from its core was a pulsating maelstrom, each releasing tendrils of energy that reached out before retreating back into the ether. The pulses created a ripple effect, altering space itself, where it drew back from the developing gap, yielding to its presence. Stars around the rim of the thing appeared to shimmer and then die, 
their light distorted and scattered. The phenomenon was almost alive, humming with a rhythm that resonated with the silent symphony of the cosmos. Straining to see into the opening, I felt the presence of a fetid universe, a place overripe with malevolence incarnate, the seat of all evil. But again, my mind imparted a feeling with precious little imagery to bear it out. And given the foulness of that feeling, I was grateful for the omission. You forced my hand, bringing you here into my home. But here, you are harmless. Your powers have no place at the beginning of it all. Spider's words drip from the surrounding cosmic ruin, and he was right. My pale field felt like bald tires spinning in circles, incapable of traction. What you are watching is the very moment they were thrown down, when yawned the great below, swallowing them out of creation, this creation. I knew he wasn't lying. I could feel the truth of his words, as if the reverberation of the event still resonated within me, if only on the smallest quantum scale. I, we all, were somehow just an echo of this moment. But it was all too big, just too much for me to process. I needed to shrink things down, narrow the scope. You'll show me this, but you won't give me the name of who's behind the sleep-wake project? The smallness of my question seemed like an insult to the moment. Spittle on the walls of El Dorado. You forced me to show you this. Gave me no choice. So drink it in, insect. See just how small you are. How inconsequential. I stared, mesmerized, seeing only what little my mind could comprehend, as some of the creatures were cast into the yawning abyss, and the sounds they made as they fell, roaring, shrieking, howling. Once the creatures had vanished within the incalculable pit within the universe, the aperture slowly folded in upon itself, its wake a trail of spiraling energy, intertwining with itself, creating a cosmic helix that stretched out into the vast unknown. This moment was instructional to my kind to develop a way to undo that which had been done. And yet, I am older still than this very travesty, as my kind were hidden away before the fall, just in case. What does this have to do with us? Why does a guy who's been around from the beginning decide to experiment on a couple of kids? 
Spoken like a true human. So selfish. Insular. But you're only partially human, aren't you, little Isaiah? Some of you owes to a power every bit as thrown down as those you watched fall. And almost all of you owes to my blueprint for your growth. The sleep-wake cycle. Evolution through anguish. But what do you have to do with all this? Yes. The answer is very little. You are just another link in a very very long chain, a chain I will use to haul up that which has been thrown down. But it seems that someone thought to use your avenging nature against me to seek my death. Even though your share in the anguish I've caused is so, so small. What is your vengeance when compared to Batna's? And so the line of those who would seek my death grows longer than long. But what you fail to reckon is their vengeance. What is owed for the crime of laying them low? I am their instrument of retribution, and thus I will not be stopped. I cannot be stopped. Least of all, by you, a creature who has spent so little time and blood upon the path, who has lost so little. I have lifted worlds from the loam, only to see them raised again and again. The world around me changed as Spider spoke, the ruined cosmos now replaced with a vision of gigantic, strange machines. Or were they machines at all? They seemed almost organic. In a feat of cosmic irony, we crafted the keys to the great below from the corpse of one of the jailers themselves. Its resplendent husk bent into the shape of our vengeance. 
Yet, even on this count, we suffered. They came for us. The spawns of my Maker's enemies. They found us in our numbers and brought death to all, save one. The image of endless lines of grotesque machines pulsing under the glow of strange stars faded. In its place, destruction on a scale beyond human comprehension. The entities responsible, numerous and inscrutable. I alone survived. My purpose sharpened by countless deaths. My vengeance made only more vital. Every soul I send below, balm to my ancient spirit. And now, little Isaiah, the time has come for you to take your place among the dead I leave behind as I draw closer to the end of this inexorable game of damnation. Inhuman limbs came at me again, holding me fast. The prior scene dissolved into a being of extra-galactic, incalculable wickedness. A fallen angel, a horror from beyond the rim of space. The portrait of Dorian Gray. The thing was impossible to comprehend. Its shape like an inferno made flesh. Eyes like burning pits filled with screams. It wasn't just a thing, but a series of horrible recollections post-trauma incarnate. I experienced the true shape of Spider-Black more than I beheld it. Unconsciously, I exploded my power. But it was useless. I was... just a fly. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld, and sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Be sure to check us out at www.maltopia.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And for more exclusive content such as additional lore, stories, and art, be sure to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 